Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless the reading of the word of your word. I pray that it speaks to me in a way that I have never heard before, O oh God. Lord, I ask that you take hold of my heart through your words, O oh God, and renew my heart and my mind and spirit, O oh God. Lord, let this be healing for me, O oh God. Let this be healing for those that need to hear it, Lord Jesus. Lord, I thank you for your goodness and your blessings and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So today, we will be studying the book of James, um, which teaches us about testings. So tests, warnings, um, divine wisdom, Christian living, um, the tongue, like spiritual tongues, um, and just many different life lessons. So I pray that the Lord uses me as I go through this book. So we are on the first chapter of the book of James, and I'll be starting from verse one, which says, um, actually I'll go into verse two. Um, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but l let patience have its perfect work. Let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, I'm going to stop right there because those three verses really packs a lot. And it really hones in on the word patience, especially when you are in a specific season, a, a, a season in your life. Depending on what God is dealing with you um, within that season, when you are in a season, maybe you're transitioning into a new stage in your life could be relationship wise could be career um you know just whatever stage of life could be education um whatever stage of life that life is 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 moving you towards um requires patience and you know the verse starts off by saying count it all on joy when you fall into various trials. So sometimes we in life we find ourselves in a place in a season where we feel like we're being tested. And this scripture is telling us to count it all in joy. Now, that may sound like a contradicting statement because it's like okay, you're in a testing you're you're in a testing stage. You're being tested. You know, you're in a season of trial. So why would you count it all on joy? Joy would, in this case, probably be the last thing in your mind because you're thinking, why am I being tested? Why am I going through this very hard time in my life? It's hard for me to find joy. But see, that's exactly what this scripture is saying, that you should do the opposite of what your your, your flesh is feeling. You know, your, your, your mind and your body is telling you to feel sorrow, but God is telling you to count it all on joy because that is where 
your you overcome. That is where your triumph starts. In the midst of your sorrow, in the midst of your trials, in the midst of this your 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 season, the 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 season that is testing you. You should count it all on on joy because that is the beginning of 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 your profit. And that's why the this this scripture, this verse is titled profiting from trials. Because there's a profit within that trial, even if it's hard to believe in that moment. You may be going through a season where nothing is literally working for you. You're 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 going through a season where you're trying to find your way through life. You're trying to understand who you are. You're trying to understand where you fit in in life. Maybe you haven't really figured out what you want to do as far as your career. And you're going into things and you keep failing. You know, you're going into certain areas in your career and just things just just aren't matching up or maybe you're not getting any any job calls nobody is really calling you for interviews or or you're going through a season in your marriage where you know you and your spouse are constantly in a place of battle um where you don't really understand where it's coming from or you and your spouse are in a season in your life where you're believing God for children and you've been in this waiting stage where, you know, nothing is really happening and you, you really have trouble understanding why. You know, the Bible says that within that season, we should practice patience. That's how we grow. That's how we learn. That's how we are able to be grateful and to appreciate the blessing when it comes. So count it all on joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. We learn patience by tests and trials. When you're tested, you're you're never going to go through this life without being tested. Because at some point, the Lord wants us to learn certain things so that we can be matured in our faith. And so... It goes into verse 5 where it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. So, the Bible compares or the Bible puts the word patience in comparison to wisdom, basically stating that they sort of work hand in hand. In the midst of your trials, in the midst of your waiting season, you're exercising patience, which is heavenly wisdom. And in the, in, in the midst of the season when you are in that waiting season, the Bible says that we should ask for wisdom. When you feel like you you don't have any patience, where you feel like your patience is being tested, that is when we need to ask for wisdom. When you ask for wisdom, he gives it to you. Through his word, through prayer, through revelation. And when you when we ask, we should ask 
in faith. Because if you're asking something and you don't really believe in what you're asking and you don't believe that it's going to happen, then that means you're doubting. And that then what's the point of even asking? You know, it says, he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in his ways. So we must, we must exercise. We have to understand that when we're asking, we need to be fully in it. We need to be in faith. Our faith has to be activated in order for us to receive from the Lord. And so it goes into um, loving God under trials. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. This is verse 12, still in chapter one. Blessed is the man who endures temptation for when he is, he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord had promised to who love him. And let me tell you this, God will always bless. God will always come through. God never goes back on his word. His word is sure. His word is truth. So always believe that when you're asking, you know, and that's what should really empower you in your faith. Being sure of the God that you are praying to. Just know that God is going to do it. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It says in his word in Jeremiah 29, 11, that, you know, the Lord has great plans for us. His plans towards us are to prosper us and not to harm us, to bring us to our expected end. So God wants it for us just as much as we want that blessing for ourselves. So just knowing that alone should just be an, an encouragement when you're asking you know, you, it's, it's not going to really prone you to doubt because you believe so much with all of your heart and all of your might that God is going to do it. And once you do that, you are blessed because you are able to endure temptation. You're able to endure that season, that period of waiting. You're able to exercise patience so that you can receive that, that blessing you know you're able to um you're able to ex- operate in heavenly wisdom which is patience and god will never tempt you or well god doesn't tempt people but he will never cause you to be tempted um more than you can handle it says here let no one say when he is tempted i am tempted by god for god cannot be tempted by evil nor does he himself tempt anyone but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed um focusing on desires only um so but he will never give you more than you can handle just know that um so yeah So we must always operate in heavenly wisdom, which is patience during that season, that trial, um, and know that God wants the best for us, um, and know that God's plan is to prosper us and not to harm us and to bring us to an expected end. And we should always exude that joy whenever, no matter where we are in life, you know, never let anyone see your pain because, 
you know, God knows what he's doing and you have to trust him and you have to walk in that confidence, you know? So it's, it, that's, that it's just so important. It's so, so, so important. And, and while you're doing that, make sure you're also encouraging others as well, because that's where, you know, you can utilize that time to pour into others. And it's, and there's something really empowering about that, you know, because, you know, you're in this place of, of waiting and you're, you're being tested, but in the, in, within that period, you're also pouring into others, you know, and God sees that God sees that. And when your time comes, he will increase you, you know, and sometimes we can get into this place where we can be, you know, selfish, you know, depending on whatever it is we're going through, we're going through something personal and, you know, we're trying to figure out our own life. Um, but God is really laying it heavy on your heart. Say, for instance, God is laying it heavy on your heart to, you know, to pour into someone else, to to encourage someone, to uplift someone, to give to someone, to to just like be obedient to what God is telling you about someone else. But, you know, sometimes we can get kind of selfish and just think about ourselves and what we're going through and not really care for others and not really, you know, like you just say within yourself, you know, you don't really have time for that right now. You don't really have time for others. You have your own issues to worry about. But, you know, you have to understand that God is a God of love and he always cares for his people and he always uses people to bless people. And know that as you're being a blessing to others, you are also going to be blessed. There's also something in it for you. I mean, of course, that shouldn't be the reason why you're going into it. You should go into it because you love your 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 fellow brother or sister and you want to pour into them and you want to uplift them and increase them and encourage them, you know, according to the will of the Lord. So, you know, it's important that, yes, we know we're in a season, but not to dwell in it, but to, to trust God and to be confident and to just go through life knowing that God has it under control. And I'm going to skip to the chapter, um, sorry, the verse in chapter one, verse 21, um, that talks about being doers and not hearers only. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the impl implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So the Bible says in this verse, not to just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. Basically, you know, not to just hear the word and just let it sit in your heart and you don't exercise those words. You don't, you don't do those words. If the Bible says that you should love your neighbor, yeah, you know, you should love your neighbor, but you're not doing it. You know, back to that example that I just gave about, um, you not being selfish about your own needs and desires, but also pouring into others, especially when God has put it in your heart to do so, you know, now is not the time to be disobedient. You know, don't be just hearers of the word, but be doers of the word, you know, bless somebody, give to someone, you know, and you never know whose situation is actually worse than yours. And maybe God is using you to bless that person. 
So let's always practice that meekness no matter what, no matter where we are in our lives. And God will bless us for that. So it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he is. Basically saying that, you know, when you hear the word, you basically hear it, and then it goes in one ear and out the other. It it just sits and lays doormat in your in your heart, in your mind, but then it's not being used for the purpose for which which it needs to be used for, you know? So you see the word, you hear the word, and that's the end of it. Nothing happens after that. But the word is there for it to be performed. It's not there for it to just lay doormat. The Lord sends out his word for it to perform that which he has sent it to perform. You know, the word is, is, is there for manifestation. It's not there just to be there. God's word is not vain. It does not come back to him vain. It comes, it, it, it does what it says. It, it, it does what it, it, it's supposed to do. So it says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues it in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So every time you're interacting with people or every time you're put in a specific position or in a, in a, in a, in a um, you know, when an opportunity comes, make sure that the word is always there. And once you remember that word, make sure you put it into action is basically what it's saying. You know, put it into action. So if anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not burdle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So once again, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. Oftentimes religious people talk they're do more talking than more doing. You know, they're always quoting scriptures and they talk about how good the Lord is and, you know, basically just saying words that sound Christian, quote unquote, but you don't really see them being Christians. You don't really see the Christianity in them. You don't really see the 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 word being acted out. All you see is, all you hear is the word, but you don't see the word. You know what I mean? So, you know, there are some Christians that you don't even have to hear them speak. You know, they're Christians from the, they're just in their act of kindness and their, um, you know, their impact in people, the way they impact people, the way that they, um, always are just have this encouraging and uplifting spirit about them you just know you just feel it and you know if you're a very spiritual and discerning person you will know the moment you see that person the moment you just experience that person's personality 
you know, like I'm able to tell the kind of person that I am dealing with the very first time I meet them, you know. So let's make sure that we are always honest with ourselves, first of all, in our Christianity and be real, be real with yourselves. Don't, you know, Christianity is not just all about, you know, religious, just walking around, making sure everyone knows that you're a Christian, you know, making sure you're, you're, you're quoting the Bible every single day. And you, it's just basically for show, you know, but there's nothing, your, your heart is as dark as ever. And you actually don't really have any love for anyone. And it's completely fake. You know, like the next, you're quoting scriptures, but let somebody say something, something about you and you're ready to, to, you know, pop off on, on them. And, you know, you're actually causing confusion rather than uplifting, you know? So it's, we have to work on our heart first because once your heart is, is there, your, your, your heart is really what is going to exude that Christianity in you. People will see it. You don't have to work so hard in proving it. You don't have to regurgitate scriptures to everyone and to to force your Christianity on anyone. It's just going to happen naturally. People will naturally be inspired by you and the person, the type of person you are, like the 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 kind of the kindness that you that you give towards people, the way that you make people feel, you leave that impression on them. And people will ask you, like, are you a Christian? Like, you know, what do you believe in? I just love you. I love the way you are. I love what you stand for. I love how you treat people. I love how you make people feel. Like, things like that. That's what Christ, true Christianity is. And we can't get caught up in all of this stuff. We have to really be real with ourselves. You know, we have to stop making people feel so condemned. You know, we have to really, we really have to check ourselves as Christians, as believers of Christ. Because that's really, that's not Christ. That's not what Christ told us to do. You know, when when Christ was on, on this earth, he was an example to us as to how we should live our lives. He was kind to to even unbelievers. You know, he showed so much kindness, like he was just an example of how we should be. So oftentimes Christians are attacking Christians and we're bullying each other and it's just not okay. So, you know, that's just, and and it's funny because the Bible says it, it tells us exactly what not to do and what we should do. So, but somehow we've, we've gotten to a point where we've created our own doctrines and and become such a really 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 religious community and world so um yeah and it says it goes on to now we're in chapter two um beware beware of personal favoritism so it says my brethren do not hold the faith of our lord jesus christ the lord of glory with partiality and i can say this may happen a lot in you know, in church, in the church, faith-based communities. Um, for if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings in fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place and say to the poor man, you stand there or sit here at my footstool. 
Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? And the reason why I say this happens in churches a lot is because, you know, everybody, um, this is just what I was talking about, about being like religious. You know, no one wants to associate, at least that religious person tries not to associate with uh, um, someone who is quote unquote a sinner um, that's in church or or if someone is dressed like not as great or not in church attire, um, they're looked down upon, you know, or and, and you never know. Maybe that's all that person had that day. Maybe that person is really struggling and they really just want to hear from God and they want their hearts changed and they want to be transformed. And they're not really worrying about what they're wearing. And God is, maybe God is really, is, is working on them. You know, maybe they're a work in progress, but you've already ruined your witness by being so religious and pushing that person away because of their mere appearance. And, and then only, only, you know, moving your attention towards someone who is, you know, pleasing and more pleasing in their appearance, which really doesn't matter at all. Because when you come to the presence of the Lord, it's your heart that you want changed, not your appearance. You know, you, you're trying to change your, your heart. You're trying to renew your heart, your mind, your conscience. You're trying to be saved. You're trying to, you know, you, you really want to receive Christ. You want to change your life. And eventually, once your life is changed, everything else will change. Your appearance will change because God will now start to enter into your life and he will start to, you know, he will start to change certain things about you. He will start to convict you about certain things, your dressing, your thinking, you, you, the way you, you speak. You know, those things will automatically change as soon as your heart changes you, as soon as you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. But that's the important thing first. So it doesn't matter if you come to church wearing rags, wearing this, that, and the third. As long as you have come to repent, as long as you have come to receive Christ, as, your, as long as your heart, you have come with an open heart, Christ will accept you doesn't matter if people don't accept you. Christ will accept you with open hearts, with, with, with open hands, sorry. And so, and then everything else will happen automatically. So this scripture is saying that, you know, we should not practice partiality in the church. We should not because we're ruining our witness by doing that. You know, you, you're really pushing away someone that has really come to repent has really come to accept Christ. You know, someone that has really made a decision that they're not going to sin anymore. They're not going to fornicate anymore. They're not going to lie anymore. They're not going to do what they were doing before. And that person has decided to make a decision for Christ. And the moment they come into church, they're being judged because of what they're wearing. You know, how do you make, how do you think that person, how do you think that would make that person feel after they just made this big, huge decision in their hearts and they're thinking they're going to be accepted by their fellow, you know, Christians, you know, and the church is supposed to be a warm and inviting and friendly place and they get rejected. You know, maybe they faced rejection all of their lives and they finally come to a place where 
they feel that they can be accepted and be, they're being pushed away because of how they look. You know, it's wrong, you know? So we should really check ourselves with that. Um, and it says, listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who he who love him? Yes. And that's exactly why Christ came into the into the world, um, you know, and died for us. He came for our for, for the sinners. You know, he, he didn't come for the people who who had houses and who were rich and had this and that that and and felt like they were they were fine and they didn't need you know he came for the needy he came for the poor he came for um you know the sinners the people who felt like they didn't have a chance at all he came for those people he talked to prostitutes and saved them he talked to um beggars and and you know, people who were who had all these diseases and things wrong with them. He he talked to um, gamblers and all kinds of people, and, and 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 the Pharisees and all of those people saw him and and looked at him as he as if like he was he was wrong for doing that. But you know, Christ already laid that demonstration, that foundation for us of how we should be. So why would we do the opposite? So, yes, so that is what that scripture talks about. And so, you know, in our faith, we should really, um, we should really practice being pure Christians, pure Christians. And that's why the scripture says in the book of Romans um, that we should renew our minds daily. Be not conformed into this world. Be not conformed to the world, but be be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that we may be able to decipher from good from evil. You know, if you practice renewing your mind in the Word every day, and you're soaking up the Word, and you're soaking up what God wants us, how God wants us to live our lives, then you won't get caught up in these, you know, in these little things. Um, so once we renew our minds and let's not, you know, we can't be those type of Christians that we feel like we've arrived. There's always something more to learn. There's always more growing to do. There's always, there's just always something more to know in this walk with Christ. So don't ever feel like you've arrived in your, in your faith, in your Christianity, because that's where God will humble you. Where you think you're perfect, where you think you've perfected, there's there's room for more growth and you will be humbled. So let's always walk with Christ with a with an open heart, with a heart of humility, so that we can we will never lose track and we'll never lose focus. We'll always be fired up and 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 ready to receive what God has to offer because God always has something new. God is so big that our our little minds, we can't even comprehend or even fathom how big God is. So there's always something new that God has to teach us. So we have to always have that heart of openness to receive that mind. Our mind has to be open to receive what God has for us. So we have to constantly renew our minds and our spirit. Renew your minds in prayer. Renews your, renew your minds in the word so that you will always have a new revelation and you will always have, 
your your spirit will always be alive and you will never got, get caught up in these little things you know partiality and religious you know re religious attitudes and, and different things that christians really get kind of fall short and and really really get messed up for you know that that really yeah so those are those are some of the things that this scripture kind of teaches us about um and i will continue on the book of james the next during the next bible study and devotion um and i'm going to end this devotion with prayer all right thank you lord for this word thank you lord for just the spirit of meekness oh god thank you lord for teaching us that we must continue to walk with a heart of humility and that we must continue to have an open heart in our walk with you, Lord. Oh, Father, we pray that you, I pray that you use me, that you use me for the greater good of your kingdom, oh God. Help me to pour into others, oh Lord. Help me to uplift others, oh God, even in the midst of my trials and tribulations, even in the midst of my season, oh God, help me to have a heart of love and humility towards others, Oh God, that I may be a blessing to others when in need, oh God. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the fruit of your word, oh God. I thank you for the impartation of your word, oh God. Father, I give you all the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen.